Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. All right, good morning. How are we? Good? We have beautiful sunshine today, so I'm amazed that any of you are actually here because we've had a lot of rain the last couple of weeks. And so it's these Sundays that we all want to be outside, but it'll be warmer by the time we finish up in here and we can go and enjoy the gorge or whatever it is you're going to do this afternoon. But on the front end, I want to acknowledge a couple of things. Last weekend was Easter weekend. We had a, a, a number of first-time guests. We had three people who took next steps in their faith through the waters of baptism. And we had one person respond and put their trust in Christ this week who's getting baptized today. So go ahead and give God a little bit of glory. We want to celebrate when those things happen and not just quickly move on and kind of rest in those. And so um, I've been praising God all week long. And if you're like me, I was actually a little bit emotionally drained and exhausted like through most of this, this past week. But here we are today. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to pick back up in our series, Sojourners, where we have been studying through the book of 1 Peter for the last couple of months. Uh, Peter's located towards the end of the Bible, and so if you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to 1 Peter chapter 2, or if you have the app on your phone, uh, and the words will be behind me on the screen at some point. But 1 Peter 2, we're going to be mostly focusing on verses 6 through 8 this morning. Now, just to catch us up to speed, because a lot's happened over the last couple of weeks, and we have some new faces and people who, who maybe weren't here, just, you know, everything was last weekend. Two weeks ago, Peter uh, instructed us how it is that we are to approach God's Word. And we kind of looked at this idea that it's not just for the sake of knowledge, although that's part of it, and a lot of times our Western minds think that way, but it's actually to draw nearer to God. It's actually to draw nearer to His presence and to be shaped by God to look more and more like his son, Jesus. He showed us that we have a brand new identity when we come to Christ and that he actually calls us living stones, that together we make up the new temple of God, the church. This week, we're going to look at why it is so critical that we draw near to God through his word. And what he's going to say is it's because he is our cornerstone. Now, Peter's used a lot of imagery throughout this book so far. He's trying to help us understand, and sometimes it doesn't land on us the same way it would have landed on his original audience. He's he's used gold as an imagery. He's used babies. He's used milk, seeds, flowers, grass. And today, he again will use some imagery with us, but this time it's of construction and architecture. I know we have at least one architect in the room to help us understand what it is he's trying to communicate to us. Now, we all know, at least I would think, that a strong foundation is vital for any structure. You know, we're on the second floor of a building this morning, and this building has been here since the early 1900s. And so it is still standing. I would say it had a strong foundation, uh, even to hold a baptism tank last week and two baptisms up here with a bunch of water in it, right? So we kind of understand that idea. Well, in 1174, Italian architect, Bonanno Pisano, began work on what became his most famous project. He wanted to have a separate standing bell tower for the cathedral of the city of Pisa. This tower would stand eight stories tall, 180 feet tall. There was one little problem. 
the builders quickly discovered that the foundation, the soil, was far too shallow to support and hold such a structure that he was trying to build in this, this spot. And so sure enough, before long, the entire structure began to tilt, and it continued to tilt until the architect and the builders realized that nothing could be done to keep this tower from tilting. I kind of imagine my sons will build Lego towers, right? And you get to the point where the Lego tower starts to lean a little bit, and you're like, okay, let's come and kind of reinforce this. Well, they realized that there was nothing that could hold this thing straight, and so uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, as it, it became known, it took 176 years to build this tower, and during that time, there was many things that they were trying to do to correct this tilt, so, uh, so to speak to try to get it stand up correctly. The foundation was short up. The upper levels were even built at an angle to try and compensate for why this was tilting, but nothing worked. And for now, over 800 years, the tower has stood, but it leans 18 feet away from where it should be. That doesn't sound like what it was supposed to be. Imagine like living in a place where it's, everything's like this, right? You're like walking up sometimes, you're walking down the other times. And one day, experts say that it will fall that one day that leaning will finally give in because the foundation below it is not how it should be. And so today we're going to look at what is the building our faith upon? What is it we're building our life upon? And so the message is titled, The Cornerstone of Our Faith. Let me pray for us again. We'll get into God's Word. God, we thank you that we can gather this morning and celebrate still what you did last week and what you're going to continue to do as you build your church. God, this morning, I ask you to move me out of the way, any distractions out of the way, as we look at what it is that we're building our faith and life upon. And God, that we'd be reminded as those in you that it's to be built upon Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. God, I ask that anything we're building our life upon outside of that, that we can remove that and, and put you back in your right place this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Since it's been a couple of weeks, we're actually going to start back in verse 4, and I'll just kind of reread that, and then we'll focus more in on verses 6 through 8. So, 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 2, sorry, verse 4. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. And so our first point this morning is that Jesus is our cornerstone. Yeah, and so today we're mostly going to spend time in verse 6. So it's verses 6 through 8. This verse 6 is kind of where we're going to laser focus this morning, where Peter uses this, this architecture for his imagery, saying that Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, we hear that today, and we're not exactly sure what is implied or what he's meant there. But his original audience would have understood exactly what he meant because during this time, a building project, the very first stone that was laid was the cornerstone. And so the project would start with that, and it was vitally important that the stone was laid correctly. It was from this one stone that all the lines and the dimensions of the rest of the building would all kind of go back to that one place. And so if the dimensions of the cornerstone were off, 
that meant the entire building would also be off. If the cornerstone had any cracks or deficiencies in it, then it would, also, would not be able to withstand the weight of the building. So you see how vitally important it is that the cornerstone is actually accurate, that it gets placed correctly, that you actually took your time. There's a reason I'm not a builder. I'm, I'm very impatient. We do home projects, and they would be done wrong without my wife, who is an architect. And so, um, if, you know, for her, she would make sure that if it took days, it would be fine. I'm like, let's just get it done. Like, I just want it to be in place. But it's very vitally important that it gets done accurately. So when Jesus, when Peter says Jesus is the cornerstone, his original audience immediately understood, like, oh, that's, that's really important. That's, that's vital. That Jesus Christ is what he was applying is the only one who could withstand the weight of eternity and our lives, our sin, our brokenness, and that anything else that we would build our lives upon will crumble and fall. Earlier in Matthew chapter 7, for those of you who were here with us, I don't even remember when it was at this point, but we went through the Sermon on the Mount, probably one of my favorite series we've done to date. But in Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus said, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so Jesus is saying there that there is one foundation, one cornerstone that can withstand the storms of life himself. So Jesus is pointing to himself in that reality. I'm the only one who can actually withstand this, that I'm the only one who's to be the cornerstone for your faith and also for your life. Now, here's what we must remember. I know we just went through Easter, so we just went through Good Friday, where we we looked at Jesus' death on the cross, and we kind of rested in that on Saturday, and then we came out on the other side of the resurrection. Peter's writing us from the other side of the cross. Peter's writing us from the other side of resurrection that it is true. So Peter's saying it's all true that Jesus is the cornerstone. That's been verified and testified that he is the only one strong enough for you and for I to build our lives upon. That anything else will fail, that anything else will crumble. He just showed us that the cross and his resurrection. And so here's what I want us to do today. Every single one of us, regardless of your background, regardless how you ended up here this week, if you're just in town visiting, if you're a regular, if you're new with us, I want every one of us to answer this question. Is Jesus actually your cornerstone? Is Jesus actually the foundation of what you are building your life, or are you building it in something else? This is a really important question for us to answer. Because whether we admit it or not, we all have a cornerstone. It may not be stated, but we can just watch. You can watch someone's life and you realize what their life is built around, what is it built upon. So we all build our life on something or on someone. And so the question then, are you building it on Jesus or on something or someone else? This is point number two. Jesus becomes our cornerstone. We make Jesus our cornerstone by believing in him. So Peter tells us, this is how you make him your cornerstone. He says, whoever believes in him. Now, what does he mean when he says whoever believes in him? We think in intellectual terms, that, that belief in something, something actually exists. So in our region of the country, that's Bigfoot, right? Do you believe that Bigfoot actually exists? I mean, there's festivals, and there's people who are convinced that Bigfoot is real. 
I'm not so sure myself. I'm still kind of torn. The verdict's still out. I'm like doubting Thomas. I've got to see Bigfoot with my own eyes and like touch the, the hair and, and probably run from him being scared. But that's the, like, do we believe, right? There's an intellectual belief in this thing. But the Greek word that's used here is not placing one's belief intellectually into something, but rather placing your trust into something or someone. So it's not intellectually, is this true? But it's do I put my trust in this thing? Do I, do, I, do I trust into this? And think about if you trust something, right? Uh, you, you, I think about my kids jumping into a lake or to a river, right? And I'm like, trust me, I'll catch you. And sometimes they will, sometimes they won't. You're putting your trust into something. Like intellectually, they're like, yeah, dad's there. He says that, but, but like, do you put your trust into that? So there's a big, big difference. So Jesus died on the cross. He rose three days later. He conquered sin and death forever. I think most of us say amen. We would, we would agree with that. But why don't we just believe that that happened? You know who else believes that? Satan. The demons. They also intellectually believe that that happened. We don't see where they deny that that happened. Rather, we put our trust into that belief. That's what Satan and the demons didn't do. We put our trust into that belief, and therefore, as a result, we are safe. And so here's where this gets challenging for us. If you are a believer then I assume you've put your trust into Jesus for your salvation and for your eternity. Amen? Amen. But my question for you today is, are you trusting Jesus as your cornerstone in your everyday life? And the day in and day out, daily grind of life. To reinforce this idea, Peter's actually quoting Isaiah 28, verse 16. It says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who has laid as a foundation in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a precious stone, cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes in me will not be in haste. And so we see that God the Father is talking about the Son, the Jesus, and he's saying he is precious and he is chosen as the cornerstone. He's describing how much he values Jesus to pointing to belief in him as a sure and certain foundation. He's saying this is the one thing that you can place all of your trust in. That he's not going to let you down. That this is going to be able to withstand the weight of, of your life and your reality and what you're dealing with. And so the reality is every single one of us has a cornerstone in our lives. We all have something or someone that we're building our lives upon. And here's what scripture teaches us. Whatever that thing is the most precious and valuable thing to your life, that is your cornerstone. But you might say, well, how do I know what it is for sure? How can I know whether I am or whether I'm not building my life upon Jesus, the cornerstone? Practically, functionally, it's whatever is most precious to you in your life. It's whatever in your life, if, if you lost it, you just don't know if life could continue. If you lost that thing, you're just not sure that you could continue on. So here's where the problem comes in again. My assumption, once again, is that most of us in this room have put our trust in Christ, the cornerstone for our eternity, for our salvation. But my hunch says that we are trusting in a hundred different things for our daily life, for our everyday life to get us through. Do you want to know why I know this is true? This is where the rubber meets the road and you look at me and you're like, man, who's he to say that? I know that's true because I've seen it in my own life. That's why I know that it's true. If you ask me, what's the most important thing for your salvation? What, do you, what's your, your, what, what is that thing in your life? It's Jesus. 
It's the cornerstone. We talked about last week, right? The resurrection. And, and, and I think most of you would say the same thing. But if you ask me, what's the single most precious, valuable thing in your everyday life? Depends on what day you'd ask me. But many days I'd have to pause. I'd have to think about it. I'd have, to, I'd have to kind of look at the film tape of my life from my morning. I mean, we're in the first part of the day, and it's Sunday, so right? Like, I'm probably doing okay today. But even that, I get caught up, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe I built it upon getting here early and setting up and doing all those things. Maybe I built it in being a church planter, putting a title next to my name. Maybe it's in my family. Maybe it's in just these number of different things. And so if I'm honest, most days I'd have to confess that it's not always Jesus. So how can we know for sure if we're looking to Jesus as our cornerstone or if we're looking to someone or something else? Here's how you can know. You can know for sure by answering a couple questions, and I've got these on the slide. And so here's how you can know what is the cornerstone of your life. If I lost blank, and you fill in the blank, I couldn't live. You ever found yourself thinking that, saying that? Or if I didn't have blank, I couldn't make it. And so I want us to honestly think about those blanks, what we would put in there. Maybe for some of us, it's our job. Maybe for some of us, it's our spouse. Maybe for some of us, it's our children. Maybe for some of us, it's our wealth. Maybe for some of us, it's our health. Whatever that you would put in there. Or maybe some of us would say Jesus. And so whatever you put in that blank, that is what's most precious and valuable to your life. That is what you are functionally, that's what you're practically building your cornerstone of your life around. And so if we're honest, there's a lot of things that we're putting in those blanks other than Jesus. Here's a couple of examples, not specific, but kind of general, generic. You might hear someone say, I I know God loves me, but if I can't find a spouse, what does it matter? And Julia, like, don't look at me. We're engaged. We're good. <laughs> you might say, I know God loves me, but if I can't get that position in my company, then what does it matter? I know God loves me, but if I don't get to this level of wealth to provide the life that I dreamed of having, what does it matter? Here's the deal. In that moment, whatever the, what does it matter? You are revealing that that is the cornerstone of your life. Instead, if you're able to say, it doesn't matter if I ever find a spouse because I know that God loves me. It doesn't matter if I ever get that position in my company because I know that God loves me. It doesn't matter if I ever get to this level of wealth because I know that God loves me. I've been in church and now I even say vocational ministry long enough that I've been able to observe a number of people who if you ask them, who's the cornerstone of your life? What's the, what do you build your life around? It's, it's Jesus. But then when life hit them, the reality of life hit them, they revealed very differently that their cornerstone was something else. And so unfortunately, I've, I've watched this play out a number of times. And I don't say this with a judgmental attitude. I just say it with their life was not built upon the solid foundation. Their life was not built around the cornerstone of Jesus. You see someone that they lose their job and they walk away. Why is that? Their job was their cornerstone, not Jesus. Suddenly see the cancer diagnosis come in. And they don't want anything to do with it anymore. Jesus wasn't really their cornerstone. Their health was. We see their marriage ends in divorce. A marriage that seemingly looks really, really good. And they walk away. Their marriage, their happy marriage, their healthy marriage was their cornerstone, not Jesus. 
They lose their funding to be on the mission field. I mean, they, they went to a hard place and all of a sudden they didn't have support anymore. So they pack up and they move back home and they walk away from it all because their status as a missionary was their cornerstone, not Jesus. And so fill in the blank. My guess is you've seen it too. As a church, do you see why it is vitally important that we get to the bottom of this answer? Who or what are we building our life upon? Because if there's anything else other than Jesus in these blanks, it's only a matter of time till the storms of life come and it reveals that your foundation is not actually built on Jesus. And so it makes it really easy to walk away. I think for a number of years, this really confused me. As I watch peers and friends, I'm like, how, how in the world? Like, that was the guy who was leading us in worship and youth group. Or that was my friend that we were in these Bible studies. Like, how in the world? And then I think it was only over time and looking at pastors like this going, oh, their cornerstone was actually built on something different. And when they didn't have that, they were able to walk away. It's only a matter of time until the storms of life will hit you. And it'll be like going to Cannon Beach, or my family's actually going to Cannon Beach tomorrow. Right, we love the coast, but we watch those waves. You know, you'll build a sandcastle, and you just watch those waves. It's always stormy. They just crash, and then the sand's just everywhere. And that's how our lives will function. And look, if we're building on something or someone else other than Jesus, I think about the pandemic over the last couple of years. I keep asking myself when I'm going to start stop mentioning this in messages, but it keeps coming back up. But I think it revealed many things about many people, and actually caused many people to walk away from church all together permanently. Not because they were trying to be cautious and careful, not because they weren't sure if they wanted to be around people. That's a very different conversation. But some people just walked away permanently. They saw a kind of an opportune time that, that they just said, this is where I'm going to get away from. And it had nothing to do with COVID. That's everything to do with who or what is the cornerstone of their life. And so Jesus is clear in Matthew 7. There is one rock and it's him and him alone. And he has invited you to believe in him. And he's invited you to take the journey of building your life upon him. There's some really good blessings that we get to experience in this life. But we shouldn't center our lives around those things. Here's why. They all make for a terrible cornerstone. So I'm not saying that these things are bad. I enjoy many of these things. But you can't build your life upon them. <clears throat> Marriage. I love being married. I've been married for almost 15 years. Yeah. And it's great. Amen, Andrea? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but Andrea makes for a really terrible cornerstone, and I make for a really terrible cornerstone. Family. I love having a family. My parents are probably tuning in this morning. I'll see them next week. Hey, Mom and Dad, I love you guys. I love my children. I love family. Family's great. Family makes for a really bad cornerstone. Career, health. It's good to be healthy, right? We want to be healthy. Money. These are all good things and some necessary things to have in life, but they all make for really terrible cornerstones because it's only a matter of time before the storms of the life hit you and that money's taken away and that you have that sickness. Your marriage goes through a hard season and period in life. You get in an argument with your children or with your parents and on and on and on, you lose that job. You don't get that promotion. And so if your life is built, if your, your life is built on these things, then it's only a matter of time before your life will crumble away. 
Remember Peter in, in chapter 1, it's been several weeks now, but verses 23 through 24. He said, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like the grass and all its glory is like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. And so we see that marriage and family and career and health and money and all these things, they're all perishable, okay? Now, I'm not the best with even English sometimes. I had to look up, make sure I had the words in the right words. I love perishable, right? It's all those foods that we buy in our fridge and they go bad if you don't eat them. So all these things, they're good things. There's nothing wrong with having these things, but they all are perishable. They will all eventually go away. But then he tells us that that's not the case with Jesus. That Jesus, he is imperishable. And so if our life is built upon the one thing that's going to last for all of eternity. As a sojourn, how do you give glory to God when the world takes away your hopes and your dreams? You build your life upon the one person, the cornerstone who can withstand the weight of the world and the problems of the world on the cross, and that's Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Amen? Amen. And so the reality is that these moments are coming for you. Some of you may be in a season right now. I always want to be sensitive to that. We're not saying that we discredit that. We're saying we know that. That is a reality. We kind of looked at that in this whole series. If you're not going through a hard time or feeling like a stranger or an exile or sojourner right now, then you probably will be soon. So we know that that's going to come. But we also know if there's anyone or anything else in that blank, that this morning the challenge is for you to take those things off. Not to get rid of them, but to take them off that shelf and put Jesus back in his proper place. Say, Jesus, you are my cornerstone. You are my foundation. And I want to focus my life on you. Because let's be honest, life is hard. It's not a cakewalk. It's not easy. But if our life is built upon Jesus, one who's already taken the weight of the world on his shoulders, then we're able to withstand. We're able to sustain because of Jesus and looking to him, his cross, and his resurrection. So let me pray for us, and I'm going to guide us through a time of response this morning. God, we thank you that we can look to you as our cornerstone. God, that we can build our, yes, our faith, our salvation in that, but also build our lives around that. God, I want to be the first to confess this morning that I put many, many things in the place of you. God, oftentimes I place my trust for my daily life in my status and my title God, in my family, my wife, and my children. God, I want to confess that. God, I ask that you would help me to remove those things when I place them there. When I get life out of balance, God, and place you back in the forefront. God, that collectively we can keep our eyes on you and realize that anything else, that we will just crumble and fall. God, there's days where I'm at the end of myself and I don't know if I can make it another day and this is the reminder why. It's because I've not been looking at you. God, because I've placed something else and it's a place that, God, it's, it's unfair to our family, it's unfair to our friends, unfair to our career because they can't hold the weight of our lives. And so God, I ask this morning as we respond that it be an act of worship to you. It's in your name we pray. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.